What I've been told is that the uh, count this morning is 1,240. That's the number of genes, pairs of genes. So now that's 1,240 pairs of genes, but we have then, I guess, uh, 2,480 singles of genes. There's no point in having a single of a gene. It's, 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 it's always a pair, but it's always one. So, see, you've got the mystery of the Trinity right there. Two and one, and, or not the Trinity, well, anyway. Get off that point. Um, that's 1,240. So, obviously, we're still about uh, 800 or something away. We're, we're, we're reaching that goal of 2016. But it always, we always get, get to that goal. And by the way, I've, been all, I've also been asked to tell you that you can make out a check or you can go online and make a payment and make it out to the Hope Chest and they will go and get the genes for you. Uh, genes are very useful at the Hope Chest. It's the high demand item because it is so versatile. It helps out in so many ways. And the genes that are collected from year to year go quickly. So uh, you are helping our hope chest. And, and by the way, it's not about genes, is it? What's it about? Huh? People. I think somebody said fashion. No. Uh, the <laughs> should have been here a few years ago when we, when we had some genes that were really interesting. Uh, but Now, it's about people. Exactly right. All of the goods that we collect for hope chest, it's not about managing those goods. We're not Walmart. We're not interested in being a clothing store. We're not Dollar General. We are here to give those things away so that we can reach people, so that we can help people meet their needs, and then we can talk to them about their spiritual needs, and we can demonstrate and exemplify. By the way, we also create an opportunity, and I'm going to tell you more about this in a minute. We create an opportunity through the Hope Chest for people... To do a good thing. Not just for you, the members of our church, to do something good. But there is an opportunity there for us to partner with other people who maybe want to do a service work. Or maybe they're in an organization and they need service hours. I said I was going to talk about it later. I might as well talk about it now. What if we just partnered with those people, brought them in. Because, you know, anybody can pick up a, uh, a box of jeans and sort it out and, and do all this work. I don't know. I've talked to some of the people at Hope Chest just a little bit about this. And, uh, but it's just an idea. We do know that there are groups over here on this campus that they need service hours. You know, you've got students who Maybe they're a part of a, uh, some sort of fraternity or sorority or some other club. We do know that the, um, that the women's basketball coach, she wants her athletes to get service hours. What if we said to those groups, you come down to the hope chest with us and you help us with this and we'll get you your service hours. But what actually happened, it's not about service hours, it's about what? People. And what we do is, if we're outreaching to the people who need genes, then by bringing in the people who need service hours, we're side-reaching. I've just invented a word there. How about that? 
You've got outreach. Remember, when there's a book written about 10 years from now about how every church, your church too, can side reach, you heard it right here first. You heard it right here first. And if the guy's name on that book or the woman's name on that book is not Benjamin, you tell him, hey, you owe royalties to our preacher, okay? Side reach. You see, we could do that. We could write the book on that, folks. But it's not just because of us. It's because God's given us that opportunity. So much has grown. So many good things have happened since our first Blue Jean Sunday. I'm here to tell you the story of Blue Jean Sunday because the story of Blue Jean Sunday is also the story of how God has been working in this congregation. Our first Blue Jean Sunday was eight years ago. It was 2009. And we began in the fall. And I went back and I looked at my notes and I looked at my sermons from previous Blue Jean Sundays. And I, and I found a document, which was a draft. It was a proposal for the first Blue Jean Sunday. That we're putting this thing together, and we don't even know exactly what we're going to do with it or what it's going to become. But I do know that it was, it was, it was creative plagiarism, okay? I'll put it like that. It, it was, um, we were borrowing ideas from other churches, um, we were, we were stealing their ideas, let's put it like that. <clears throat> but they, they probably didn't have a, just like that side reach book, somebody's going to tell me that's creative plagiarism one day. We borrowed the idea primarily from a, a name that some of you will know, a fellow named Robert Oglesby. Robert Oglesby Jr., who uh, teaches ministry and youth ministry at Abilene Christian University, he was with us um, around 2008, and he was helping us in a transition between our youth ministries. Um, and um, he, had, he gave us your name, Rick. He gave us your name and said, we ought to call you. And, uh, and well, see, I was, I was setting you up for that. I was setting you up for that. No, but we listened to him. We listened to him because Robert knew, Robert was a pretty sharp guy. And he came out and he did one of our retreats for us, and that was a really excellent retreat. But he told us about an event that they had at Southern Hills, his home congregation, and they called it We Are the Sermon Sunday. And everybody would show up dressed in their work clothes, and then they would, they would listen to, they would, they, would, um, you know, they would have their prayers, and they would have their songs, and they would worship around the communion, and then they would go out on a Sunday into the community, and they would do works of service, and the idea was they were the sermon in those works of service. There's something about that that he said that really stuck with us. We thought, that sounds like a great idea. Meanwhile, in Abilene, another church, University Church of Christ, had always had an event that they called, are you ready for this? Blue Jean Sunday. See, the name's not even original. And what they did was they collected jeans, and, and, and the preacher wore jeans when he was preaching. And, uh, and he was kind of a, kind of a weird hybrid because Eddie would wear jeans, but then he would wear like, you know, a, a, a jacket with a tie and all that. I can't pull that off, so I'm not going to try. But the, um, the, the, those two ideas combined, and we owned it, and we put something together. And it used to be that at Blue Jeans Sunday, what we would do is we would show up ready to work. We would collect blue jeans for the hope chest, and then we had service projects that day. 
And Rick, I think you were here with us for the first one, weren't you? And we had like, we washed the vans, we did, you know, the youth group. And that's one of the things we liked. We liked the idea that the youth group got involved and other, other, wor- other groups got involved. We were all working together and this was shortly after we had bought the campus house. And there was one group of us that I remember cut down. There used to be a whole uh, line of, of um, super mutant mega weeds that had just grown up in front of that house, and they cleared it out. All of this activity was going on here, but there was also activity going on in different places around town, different service, or service organizations, and we had partnered with them, and we had found ways to help them. I mean, God let us shine his light in this community on that day. And we continued that for a while, but the decision was made to just make this the Blue Jeans Collection Day. Blue Jeans Sunday dropped the service activities on that Sunday. Now that sounds like a loss, so that sounds like a regression. It's not. I can recall when, well, I actually, I don't recall exactly when that change happened, to Blue Jeans Sunday. I don't know if it was the third, fourth, fifth year in. It doesn't really matter. But I do recall exactly why that change was made. That change was made because as we got to the point that we realized, okay, this is going to be our day to collect blue jeans, and, you know, the goal was always set according to what year it was, we started thinking about what service works we needed to do, and we realized wait, there's service works going on all year long now. You, our people, were already involved in so many different organizations around this community and outside this community. There there were so many events and there were so many special works that had been created. And people were getting involved in those. And they'd learned how to do service on the domestic mission trips that we took. And they had learned how to do service locally. And some of the things that we had already been working at, like the Hope Chest or the the Third Saturday Meal, uh, those things were becoming more active. And so what we realized is, wait a second, we cannot, Blue Jeans Sunday was a container, and we could not contain all of the works of service in that one Sunday. So we let it be a reference point for a lot of those. But we stopped trying to do it all on one Sunday. You know, if you stop and think about it, that's not a loss, that's a win. Because the culture of Blue Jeans Sunday had permeated our everyday walks of life. That 2009, there was a period following that where there were all sorts of activities. And some of those we don't do anymore. But just because we don't do those activities anymore doesn't mean that they failed. It means that they met their purpose. Some of you may remember Laundry Love. Do you remember Laundry Love, Josh and Kim? Yeah. I don't, would you agree with me? I don't think it's right to say that Laundry Love failed, did it? It, um, I think it accomplished its purpose. And it had to change. But again, here's the deal. Laundry Love's not about laundry. It's about what? People. And so, it's people at one point... Actually, some of the reason it had to change is because some of the people thought Laundry Love was about laundry, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, and, that's, and not our people, okay? But we're always adapting these things. As Colossians 4 says, we're making the most of every opportunity. 
And so something else comes along and takes its place, and there's some other way to reach people, and there's some other way to show God's love. I look back and I realize that we were doing more. We were doing service throughout the year. We had special programs that would come and go, but new people would get involved in new programs and we would change. Blue Jean Sunday was a catalyst for a new culture of service and activity in the name of Christ. In fact, it wasn't a loss. It became multiple wins over and over again, and it fit within our mission statement. If you'll notice our mission statement on that banner right there, and last week we talked about making disciples, but there's a second part to that mission statement. Making disciples for Jesus who are eager to serve others. And the scripture that that comes from is Titus 2.14. Children of God who are eager to do what is right. I look back and I realize that since 2009, we have truly grown into disciples who are eager to serve others. It's, it's, it's just a fact that this congregation, it's, it's really rooted in who we are. That service is a part of what we do. So many of you, all ages, from the little ones to the, to, to the oldest ones, everybody thinks about ways to serve others. Well, if that's the case, then why do we still do Blue Jeans Sunday? I want to give you three quick reasons why. One is to collect jeans for the hope chest. There's still a need for that. And as we said, it's not about jeans, it's about people, exactly. You can go down to the hope chest and you can be a part of that ministry there. And you know what? I'm going to say that you go down to that ministry there and never fold a shred of clothing. Yeah. Now, you don't need to be down there just taking up space. I mean, if there's other people, if you want to do that, they need that. They need people to help with that. But if this side reach thing takes off, then maybe we'll have plenty of people to do that. But you know what? We also need people there who will talk to people. You might talk to people, and you, and you might, you might have uh, some conversation with them, and it might lead to a conversation about Scripture and study, and there might be some, some follow-up with that. Now, the Hope Chest is not the kind of place where we're going to have worship assemblies or set up anything like that, but you can study Bible with people. You can talk Bible with people down there. And if you've heard otherwise, and that's supposed to be some official word from on high, come talk to me. I'll go down there, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, we, we've got Barry Neal. You've got nothing to worry about. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll take care of it. It's, it's, it's going to happen. But we just need people to be there, to be hospitable, to be, uh, to be people who reach others and help others and encourage one another. And, you know, and if, you're, if you're new to this congregation and you're looking for some way to be involved, maybe that's a good reason, a good, a good place for you to get involved. Go visit them. Talk to the people there. They work very hard at this ministry. So we simply collect jeans. That's why we still do this. But also, I think that this annual event is like a festival. God gave his people festivals. And just because we live in a New Testament age where one person thinks that every day is exactly like the others, there's still those who say that some days are special. 
And the principle behind the festival still reminds us that you've got to have these moments, like the Sabbath, where we stop and think, you know, God's at work among us. And I think that this allows us the opportunity to look back and realize that, you know, God has been active among us. Where have we seen God's activity? What have we seen God doing? We certainly don't do things the same way we did with the Blue Jeans Sunday of 2009. And we don't have to, and we shouldn't, unless it's still the appropriate thing to do. That's not what matters, the methodology. The methodology is not what matters. What matters for us is the God who works in our work. The God who has prepared us to do good works. The God who has set up good works for us to do long before you and I were ever born. That's what counts. And like good witnesses, like faithful witnesses, we need to be able to name that. I want to show you this principle too where things can change, but it doesn't mean that death is the end. Take a look with me at John chapter 12. I want you to see this. You can mark it in your electronic Bible or you can mark it in your uh, papyrus Bible. But take a look at uh, your scroll if you have one of those. Uh, John chapter 12, verse 24. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Christ is comparing that to sacrifice and evangelism, but I think it applies to so many things. If our goal is to maintain single programs or single events or single structures, maybe even a single job description, whatever it is, if we think that it's our mission to preserve that, then we are like a farmer who's just holding on to a, a, a wheat kernel, a seed, and saying, no, no, this is my seed. I'm not going to do any. I'm certainly not going to lose this seed. What sense does that make if you're a farmer and you don't want to give up your seed? Because that seed, when it is thrown into the ground, and Jesus says when it dies, it no longer becomes a seed. But what? It gives way to a harvest and it produces more seeds. Church, we can't be afraid to let go of any program, to let go of any event, to let go of anything that means something to us if in its dying or in its changing, it gives forth a new harvest of many seeds. Even our congregational identity has to be up for grabs. That means that, I'm, I'm not predicting anything, I'm just saying that if we're holding on to us and our identity, rather than submitting to Christ's identity, then we're preserving the wrong thing. We've got to be willing, like Jesus was, to surrender our identity to God and let Him determine who we are. Jesus surrendered Himself to God. And he died. He was crucified. But out of that crucifixion came the resurrection. Nobody expected that. Jesus had told them about it, but they certainly weren't prepared for it. 
when we can trust God to that point that we're willing to let go of everything, who knows what kind of harvest he'll bring out of that submissive spirit. The third final reason why we do Blue Jean Sunday is because I think the change in attire that goes along with this event reminds us that, again, what, you know, the clothing that we come, that we wear in worship, the clothing that we wear every day, the clothing, you know, we talk about, you know, what, what kind of fashion style sense does God want? What kind shows respect? I know there's all kinds of, of little discussions about that, and I'm not going to get into any of that because here's what I know. I know that there's one type of clothing that God cares about the most, and that's being clothed in Christ. In Galatians 3.27, he's talking about all the different distinctions of people in that day and age. Jew and Greek, male, female, slave and free. And many of them even had different styles of clothing that represented where they came from. But he says when you're baptized, you put on a new outfit. You put on a new suit. You put on Christ. And he's using the analogy of the clothes you wear to present yourself. Just like we wear different clothes for different occasions. And the rules sometimes change. I get that. They used to be very standard. If you're in the military, you wear a uniform. Why? It represents something. If you're in a wedding, you wear certain, you know, I mean, there's always variations of all this, but eventually it comes down to some kind of formal wear. On and on it goes. Point is, when you're in Christ, the appropriate attire is Christ. Christ's character, Christ's responsibility, Christ's attitude. I think that this Blue Jean Sunday, I'll tell you what, from now until next year, I tell, you know, it's just like those... Sto- you've been, you know, in baptism, you were given a suit of clothes. You were given Christ to put on. And every year when we do Blue Jean Sunday, why don't you check in and see how your suit of clothes is doing. See how your walk with Christ is going. Blue Jean Sunday is an area of growth that excites me because I see in it that we're coming together for the spiritual growth of this church. I have seen since 2009 God active in this church, and I've seen the growth. Some years ago, our shepherds gave us what they recommended as a a path for discipleship expectations of disciples you might think of this as the healthy diet for the sheep the four food groups for disciples and 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 by the way sometimes we call these compass points their directions you're going to see what those four are in just a second these aren't necessarily laid out in a fourfold pattern in scripture this is just a way of giving us an ability to talk about this to one another and to check one another. Just like compass points are going to give you an idea of which way to go. If we tell you you need to go north and then you need to go to the east and then you need to turn right and left, okay, we get it. Directions are really subjective, believe it or not. North doesn't know that it's north. South doesn't know that it's south. And, and you can go east forever, and the only way you can go west is to turn around. You can go north, but eventually you end up going south. But if the Australians had conquered the world, I think everything would be turned over the other way and what you call north would look very different. South Poles and North Poles don't know what they are. Do you understand that? That's just terminology we use. But it means something. And same way with this terminology, it means something. First thing, the first healthy thing is to worship. When we worship with one another, we grow. 
And we talked about this last week, that when you look at Matthew 28, the mission of God begins with worship of Christ. The first thing that happens when those 11 disciples are there in Christ's presence, they don't get into the Great Commission to begin with. They worship Christ. Our mission begins in worship of Christ. This is where we begin. We join with the family. We find our way into Christ here. And out of that worship then comes growth. We grow. I think that this means a lot of things. It means spiritual growth. It means study. It means fellowship. Many of you are involved in groups, and we want you to know that all of you have permission to start groups. We, you have permission to, to build classes and fellowships. And again, just like the service that came out of Blue Jeans Sunday, some of those might be very official, and they might show up on lists, and some of those might be very informal, and it might be a group of you that gathers together to, for accountability or to work on your discipleship. You have permission to do that, to grow and to encourage one another to grow. And directly related to that, for that self-care is care of others, serving others. It's the other side of the spiritual growth. And like growth, it also emerges from worship. Just like we experienced in Blue Jeans Sunday, we come together and we worship, and then we go out and do the work. I love this story that um, um, a a writer, uh, a teacher, tells about uh, someone who goes to a um, uh, a Quaker um, worship service. And, you know, it's very quiet. And the thing is, those worship services do not begin. The Society of Friends, they do not begin until God's Spirit makes it clear that it's time to begin. So, you know, they're not watching the clock. They're just sitting around waiting for something to begin. So a guest leans over and he says, excuse me, when does the service begin? And the person there says, oh, well, the service begins after the worship is over. You get it? The other side of worship is service. And when you leave here today, the service will begin. I think that's a nice little illustration to remind us that these are all connected. Years later, we added a fourth one. Disciples give. Disciples worship. Disciples grow. Disciples serve. And disciples give. Disciples must grow as givers. We must grow in our sharing. This is how we build up a community. This is how we do more work. We support one another. We give blue jeans. We give coins. We're teaching our little kids to be givers. We give checks and cash and e-bank deposits. That's right. Let's spiritualize those. I mean, I don't understand why there's something more holy about putting a $100 bill in a plate than setting up an auto draft. It's both a discipline of giving, and if you do it in the name of the Lord, hey, the methods change. When's the last time you laid by in store? You know, that's, that's, that's Corinthians. I know what it means. It means plan and be intentional to give. I always heard that verse when I was a kid, and I thought it meant falling asleep in a Walmart. You know, he laid by in the store, you know, and, and uh, you know, we can't find him now. He's over in, uh, you know, sporting goods. We may not think of it the same way, but the principle is the same. So let giving be a part of your discipleship, too. You know, if you've been encouraged by the story of Blue Jean Sunday, I want you to know that 
at the most important level, you know, I love what Barry said about our history on it, and, you know, it's true. You start naming names, you're going to get in trouble because you're always going to leave somebody out. You're going to say too much. Somebody's going to correct you, and they're going to say, that's not how it happened. I don't even know if my entire memory of this is exactly the same. Some of you may want to, you know, correct me and say, well, you know, you weren't actually right. Don't worry about it. You can tell me that. I'll forget about it later anyway. And, uh, but here's the thing I know. There's one name you can mention in all of this, and you're going to get it right. Christ. Christ. If Christ was working in all of those folks over the years, doing good things, then this is a story worth telling. If Christ was working in our lives, it's a story worth telling. I think, we, you know, I think Blue Jean Sunday has convinced me this is the way we ought to do our business as a church family. You know, one of our other traditions is we have like a uh, fifth Sunday family thing that comes up every once in a while. Sometimes we let the fifth Sunday go by because it doesn't fit. But let me just throw another idea out there along with the side reach, okay? And you do with this whatever you want. What if... If we have another family meeting, if, and I'm not saying we should, but if, what if we make it the agenda at that family meeting that we're not going to give news about facts, figures, ministries, things that got to be done, things we got to talk about, but there's just going to be one thing we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what God is doing. We're going to share stories. Because at one of the Blue Jeans Sundays, I remember this. We, get, we came back together, I think that evening after the day of service, and we all gathered together and we asked people, hey, what did you see God doing on the project that you were working on? What did you see God doing on the project you were working on? And the stories were encouraging. Because you could tell, they weren't talking about the wonderful things that they did, they were talking about where they saw God at work. And when you hear stories like that, you realize, you know, if God can work in those people like that, then he can work in me too. I may be wearing a blue jean shirt and blue jean slacks today, but what I'm really most concerned about is being clothed in Christ. And if I'm clothed in Christ, you can be clothed in Christ also. Because you don't have to do anything to earn that suit of clothes being clothed in Christ. What you do is you come to Him. Just like people come to the hope chest and they receive clothes and we don't sell it to them. We're not a resale shop. We give it to them. We do that because Christ gave us a suit of clothes that makes us right before God. And so if you haven't been fitted for that suit of clothes in Christ, you can be by being baptized into Christ, being a disciple, baptized, and then learning everything that Christ teaches us to do for the rest of your days. As we sing this song, there'll be shepherds in room 100, there'll be shepherds down here to receive you to respond if it's your desire to have a prayer, to be a better disciple, or to be baptized. Let's stand up, let's sing this song together.